you know, over the last 33 years of being a pastor, I just felt like saying my faith has grown stronger. My convictions have been much more deeper. My relationship with God has been richer. And above all, his purpose has grown much sharper. And I'm very grateful to God for his faithfulness. And concerning this year 2020, I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me that many people in this church will have a new beginning. There's a new beginning. And God wants you to live in the anticipation of God doing something new in your life. And the way that will happen is by listening carefully to what the Word of God is going to be to you, for you tonight. And I believe not only a new thing for individuals, but even a new thing for us as a church. Something God has fresh for us. And always God has something fresh. He never does something stale. He's always on the move. And I trust that we will lay hold of it in this coming year. So this new beginning that's going to start for our lives and as for the church, will start with learning to think outside the box. The title of my message is, Think Outside the Box. So could you tell your neighbor, Think Outside the Box. Now, I don't know whether you heard this in management, but this is not a management principle. This is a biblical principle. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible talks about a prophet called Elijah who went to Ahab, the king of Israel, and said to him, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, it takes some courage to go to a king and prophesy something like that. And Elijah is saying, until I say the word, there will be no rain, there will be no dew in the land. As soon as he prophesied that, God spoke to Elijah and said to him, get away from here and turn east side and hide by the brook Cherith. Now there are times God wants us to be bold and courageous, and there are times when God will say, you need to hide somewhere. And God told Elijah where to hide. Hide in a brook called Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you will drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And if you're wondering whether you're listening right, you are. God commanded the ravens to feed Elijah. The first time we see the word ravens mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Genesis. When there was a flood, Noah sent out a raven first. And the raven kept going to and fro. Because the water had not yet settled on the earth. And then finally, the raven went and never came back. And Noah knew that the flood had ended. Why did he know that? Because ravens eat dead rats and dead animals. And now, God is saying to Elijah, I'm going to command a raven, not a dove, a raven to come and feed you. 
Now, not only did Elijah hear that from God, Elijah also knew, according to the law of Moses, ravens were unclean birds. And now ravens play a huge role in Elijah's life. Here's a picture of a raven, just in case you're wondering what that raven looks like. How many of you have found a raven annoying? Put your hand up. They sit on your wall and they go, what? Good, you know you. what sound the raven makes. And we, we can't stand that noise. They don't even look pretty. We try and shoot them away. And out of all the multitudes of birds, God commands. Even the birds listen to God when God speaks. And God command, commanded the raven to feed Elijah. Now the reason why I titled this message, Think Out of the Box, because the books you know, represent our soul. And our soul comprises of our mind, our thoughts, our will, what we decide, and our emotions, our feelings. Every day of our lives, we live out of this box. Isn't that true? Every day of our lives, we make decisions. We Choose career plans all out of, that blob, out of that box. And very often, we become prisoners to our own, our own thoughts, our own imaginations, and our emotions. And I wonder how many of you are sitting here and are probably listening to my message will identify how much of a prisoner you become to your own thoughts. What is fear? Fear is nothing but a, an emotion that's imprisoned you. What is doubts and anxieties? They are thoughts that have imprisoned you. And we have become prisoners of our own thinking box. Thank God Elijah didn't allow the soul to determine what God said to him. Now, when Jesus came into this world, he came to teach us a valuable lesson how we can live our life outside this box. Can you repeat that after me? How we can live our lives no longer trapped in the, in the prison of our mind and our imagination and our reasoning, but God taught us through his son Jesus how we can live outside this box. The box of our soul. And so there's a diagram of this box. When we look at outside this box, it's in the realm of the supernatural. Outside this box has no limitations. Outside this box is where God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we are connected with God we'll receive inspiration for what God wants us to do. But as long as we live within the box, we are governed by information. Two words. The soul goes by information. Our spirit goes by inspiration. 
Here's an example of how the Bible, te- of what the Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Now, this is a familiar piece of verse, but I want us to look at it. Be anxious for, I can't hear you. Be anxious for, be anxious for, I want to tell you, some of you are depressed today because you've been anxious. You've been anxious the whole year, and you are praying, praying, saying, God, I hope 2020 will be a better year for me. But let me tell you something. Stop being anxious. What is anxiousness? Being worried. And being anxious is fear of the future. And you can be so filled with anxiety that you become a prisoner of anxiety. And here the Bible says, do not be anxious. What does the word of God say? I want to hear those at the back. What does the word of God say? For some things, for some things, can I hear nothing? Nothing. So all of us will step into 2020 chilled out. No sweat. You heard that phrase, no sweat. So someone asks you, how are you doing? No sweat. No anxiety. I'm not saying no problems. I'm not saying no challenges. I'm saying no anxiety. Why no anxiety? Because the Bible says, do not be anxious for nothing. If you want more on that topic, please join us at a conference or listen to something on, the, on our YouTube channel. It says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything. So one side, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. You give, you bring prayer and supplication and thanksgiving to God in everything. If you're looking for direction, bring it to God in prayer. If you want to know who to marry, bring it to God in prayer. And that's why that special song was very significant. It's a moment of prayer that positions you from this box into the box of the supernatural. I don't like to say the box of the supernatural because you cannot keep God in a box. He's bigger than a box. And so we must discipline our mind. You know, in uh, 2020, I brought out the second workbook, uh, which we will probably launch. And when you do that workbook, you will not have a chance to live a negative life. You will live a positive life. You will come out of your anxieties. You'll come out of your fears. And I trust that many of you will be blessed as you do that with your cell group leaders. But never mind. The Bible is saying here, in everything, whatever it is, financial, health, whatever it is, by prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Prayer is talking to God. Supplication is requesting God. Giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God is so important. Why give thanks to God? Because thanksgiving is a sign of our faith in God. When you pray, you thank God for what he is going to do even before you have it. Did you hear what I'm saying? You thank God for what, you have already going, what you're already going to get even before you see it. That's thanksgiving. That's faith. If I'm going to thank God for something which I see, I don't need faith. But to thank God for something that you don't see, that requires faith. So don't be anxious about anything. In everything, pray. Pray. 
with supplication and thanksgiving. And make your request known to God and the peace of God. Now, this is what God will do. The peace of God is the spirit of God. The peace of God is the confidence in God. There is an unusual confidence that God will put in your spirit, in your mind, that surpasses, that's beyond this box, that's beyond our thoughts, beyond our imagination. And God is saying that peace will govern you and will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You know, it's, it's amazing to be confident in God in the midst of a uh, uh, situation. You know, I'm going to throw in some testimonies here to make this relevant and show you that it's practical because some of you must be thinking, oh, this is just Bible stuff. This is real stuff. Recently, some of you know, I went through a minor operation. And I sat in front of the doctor, and the doctor said, okay, the bone is chipped. All you got to do is just cut it, take the piece out, and you should be fine. I just knew and knew in my heart that was the right thing. I have never been in an, on, in an operation theater ever in my life, and thank God for it. I never know what the operation theater looks like. And now this doctor is saying, you have to go through an operation. And so I said, fine, I'll go. They asked, do you want to take second opinion? I said, no, I know in my heart this is the right thing to do. We got the right doctor, the right thing. And then I came home. My wife was very worried because I was so calm. And as I was coming close to the date was one week, she says, you know, and they had, she had some company with other ladies, I won't name them. And they said, you know, the theater room, you know, they'll have bright lines, and they put you on the table, they give you injection, and when they cut you in the back, you will not be able to sleep on your back for so many days, almost a month, you will not. These became doctors overnight. They told me, they already prescribed how I will be after the operation. From one month, you will not be able to sleep on your back. You won't be able to eat when, as soon as you come out of the operation. I said, why are you telling me this? As if you know what, what's going to happen. I said, keep quiet. So when we went to the doctor, I purposely asked in front of my wife, after the operation, can I eat? Very important, you know, eating. I said, can I eat normal? He says, yes, you operated your back, not your stomach. I looked at my wife. Then I said, can I sleep on my back? Of course you can sleep on your back. He says, one day and the next day you should be okay, and after 10 days we'll remove the stitches. Why am I saying that to you? Even in the midst of an operation, the peace of God can keep your heart and mind. You don't allow thoughts. You don't allow, allow anticipation. Oh my God, will I recover? Will I die? Will I say goodbye to everyone now before I go into the operation theater? You punish yourself even before the operation happens. Why kill yourself with anxiety? Anxiety kills you more than what an operation can kill you. Hello? Or anything can kill you. Just a simple example. This is what I want us to know. This is real. This is a peace of God. This is something that God does in your heart and your mind. That you say, God, I'm at rest because God is in control. Life is complicated, especially when we try to figure out what happens to us and what, hap what is happening around us 
through this box. When we are trying to find a logical answer and a reason for every single thing of what happened or didn't happen, or why things are happening, it will throw you into confusion and you'll always be in a place of despair because you don't know how to handle it. It's beyond you to handle. You have no answers to your question. And then what we do, we become self-declared atheists. I don't believe in God. If Elijah had not heard God, he would have shooed away every raven he saw. And he would have argued with God. God, raven, eats dead meat. You want me to look at a raven carrying that, that rat by its tail and dropping it for, to me? I mean, God, are you serious? If I was in Elijah's place, I say, God, I suddenly lost my appetite for non-veg. I would go vegetarian. We all have a difficulty in the beginning to hear God. But if you ever want to live in the supernatural realm of God, if you want to see the divine intervention of God, it is mandatory we develop an attitude to hear from God. We develop an attitude to seek God for directions before we jump. It's like learning, a, it's like learning cycling. When you started off, to ride a bike or to ride a cycle, you fell, but you didn't say, I don't believe in cycles anymore. You got up and you got onto it and you tried till you learned how to cycle. I look around this hall, I don't think so. Anyone was so clever the first time you got all your spellings right or you got all your handwriting right. No, we made mistakes, but we didn't give up. We didn't deny. We pressed through and we got it right. In the same way, when it comes to hearing God, it's an art. It's developed out of our relationship with God. It helps us to think outside the box. No management will be able to teach you how to think outside the box. And if they do, I don't know how. But here is God who actually demonstrated throughout the New Testament and even in the Old Testament what it is to live life outside this box. What does this box represent? What does this box represent? Can, can, can you tell me what does it represent? Soul, the mind and your will. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Kings 17:6. And the ravens brought Elijah bread, that's okay, and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. Twice a day, non-veg. God's staple diet for Elijah near the brook. Brook, no problem, there is water. But even that was ordered by the raven. Morning, bread, non-veg. <laughs> you know, I have a bit of a wild imagination. And I'm thinking to myself, Elijah must be looking at every raven. And he looks at that non-veg and he's saying, Lord, I thank you by faith for this meal. <laughs> I don't know whether it came to him cooked or uncooked. But the very fact is from a raven, oh God. <laughs> the sight of the raven is enough to lose appetite. And God says, I've commanded a raven. Why is it important that we look at this word, look at this bird called raven? Because ravens are out of the box thinking. 
No human being would have chosen a raven to deliver food or deliver a message. No, pigeons, yes. Ravens, no. But God deliberately chose a raven to show to Elijah he doesn't fit into the way we think. Church, are you listening to me? I got good news for you. God will never fit into your own plans. And if you're frustrated because God is equally frustrated about you having and insisting your own plans. And God says, no, you get frustrated, I'm also frustrated. But we see who wins. Guess who wins? God always wins. You may throw a tantrum, you may get angry, you may say all things. God says, no way. So if you want to know how God won't answer your prayers, write down how you want him to answer. Exactly, that's, not the, way. that's the way he will not answer your prayer. God will never do it your way. He will never do it in the way you think. If you think, you know, God is going to bless you from Jim, be sure it will come from Mary, whatever. Just totally. You know what? We all have ravens in our life. Who are those ravens? The ones we don't like. The ones we despise. The ones that you see coming this way, you suddenly become into, get into a mode of worship. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're so great. And okay, now the person is gone. You know, the most unlikely bird, raven, God said, to show us God will use the unlikely things to minister his grace in our life, to sustain us. Please, for God's sake, don't write off anyone. Don't despise anyone. You never know when a God's sending that raven, and when that raven opens his mouth and speaks to you, you must be binding the devil. God's saying, no, it's my raven speaking to you. No, God, look at his face. I hate his face. God says, yes, you may not like the raven, but I'm speaking. Are you okay? In all my 33 years of being a pastor and even before, I was never, never, never able to predict how God's going to do a miracle. Never. And if I ever tried, he proved me wrong over and over again. And so I'm making your life easy. I want you to feel comfortable. That don't even waste your time saying, God, do it this way. Don't waste your time. Say, God, would you speak to me what you want to do in my life? Here is how God gives us a head start. And he actually instructs us through the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. This is another common verse, but we need application. And this is what God is saying to us and to the people then. For my thoughts are not... You like a Victor's translation? A Victor's translation, look, what I'm thinking, you're not thinking. Or what you're thinking is definitely not what I think. And then he goes on to say, no, your way is my way. How you want to do things is definitely not what I, how I want to do it. He told us. He says, for as the heavens are, heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's beyond your reach. You're beyond. You can't even figure it out. 
you know, I, I, I did this in Chennai. I'm going to throw in some testimony. Someone has to tell me about time. When I get into the subject, I can carry on till morning. You know, I went on a fast in Chennai. And I, I met my colleague as, we, as I finished our fast. I met him on the, on the way. And I asked him, how come you stayed back during the holidays? He says, I don't have money for my ticket to go home. So I decided to just stay back in Chennai. So I said, oh, I said, I got a little money left. I said, why don't we go and have something to eat? He says, have you bought your ticket? I said, no. I said, the money you have is not sufficient to buy a ticket, but sufficient to buy food. So now you know why I had to go on a strict diet. And I said to myself, and I said to God, I said, God, this is the last amount of money I have. I don't know how you're going to provide. I don't know who you're going to use to provide. But Lord, I just thank you. I'll enjoy this meal and you will provide for me. And I added this. I said, God, I know you will use someone or something to provide for me. I want you to specifically tell me through an individual that this money is for your ticket. So I'm pushing it a little more with God. I, we eat a nice meal. I go back to the college. He picks up his luggage. Out of the blue, a librarian was there. I don't know why he was there, holiday time. He came out and he says, oh, Victor, uh, I'm glad to see you. I said, what happened? And he was my interpreter when I would uh, teach and preach in other ch uh, churches. He says, your God put this on my heart to give you this for your ticket. I looked at it and I said, da, 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 I got my ticket. <laughs> you know what? I am absolutely confident in the ways of God. I just know and know in my heart. You may laugh at me, but in the end, I will have the last laugh. And I'm seated over and over again. And the songs that we sang in worship, the faithfulness of God will never let you down. The problem is, get out of this box. What's the problem? Get out of this box. Getting out is the biggest problem that people have. We don't know how to move away from this box where it traps us and limits us. We try to fit God in this tiny, weeny box of our mind and our emotions. And God says, I'm bigger than what you think. I'm bigger than your emotions. I'm bigger than what you plan. I'm bigger than what you, uh, uh, you think. And that's what God is saying to the people of Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As far as the heaven is from the, uh, from the earth, so great are my ways. It later happened in 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 7. The brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, the place that God told Elijah, go, has dried up. No more water, dried up. You know, sometimes when God leads us to a place and then after a season it dries up, it's not that God has forgotten you. God is saying, it's time to move. It's time to move. And somehow we want to stay there and say, no, God, you provided through a raven. I'm going to speak to this brook. Brook, water come, water come, water come. Water doesn't come. You see, we get familiar. God's saying, the brook is dried up. It's dried up. 
And then God speaks to Elijah and says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, live there. See, if God finished commanding a raven, now he's commanded a widow, a widow will be there, and she will provide for you. And Elijah must have thought, what a relief. I don't mind any widow, but not a raven. Now, I want you to look at three specific things that God spoke in verse 9. Arise and go to Zarephath. Zarephath is a place. Before God can manifest his work and his miracle in your life, he's got a place involved. I hope you recall that message I preached. God, uh, land, and man. And God has a place. And before Elijah could experience the breakthrough or a blessing, he says, I've got a place for you. You've got to go to that place. The second thing God has, he has a person in place. And that person is a widow. And the third thing is the manifestation of his, his provision. Has God changed? No, he hasn't. And sometimes you sit on your blessed assurance waiting for God to bring a miracle to your lap. And God's saying, get up and move. No, God, I'm comfortable here. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. And I'm definitely going to heaven. You know, the hardest thing for Christians to do is to move. If you want to know how do I know, watch on Sunday morning. Everyone has the same seat throughout the year. And 2020, you'll have the same seat. Look at someone and smile. My smile at them. Please at least change your seat for 2020. It's like it's become your right. You could probably write your name on that seat. No, this is mine. We don't like change. We don't like to move. And yet, whenever God speaks to you, read it in the Bible, he always has a place, he has a person, and he has a provision for you. Even before you can experience, God has worked it all out. And he's waiting for us to catch up with it. That's why we need to take everything in prayer, in supplication, and thanksgiving, because God already has the answer. You know, can we make some chairs? You know, sometimes even our prayer is the same for the last 10 years. Lord, bless me, bless the pastor, bless my daddy, bless my children, amen, over. And, you know, little modification, please. <laughs> Take some scripture and start playing, praying. You see, instead of saying, God, would you provide? Say, God, show me, Lord, what you where to go and what to do. For your provision. Show me, Lord. Be in a place of inquiring from God. Be in a place of requesting God. God, would you show me, Lord? Show me where that place of provision. Would you speak to me? Allow him to speak to you. He will surprise you. Elijah must have thought looking for a widow would be far more interesting than looking at a raven. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, he was surprised there was a widow. And what was the widow doing? Gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. He's just requesting the widow. As she was, a, as she was about to get him a little water, 
Elijah thought he would push it a little more with his widow. As she was going to get it, he called to him and says, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. You're bringing water. Just bring some bread also. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I, have, I do not have bread, only a, hand plow, a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat, may eat it and die. And Elijah must be thinking, Lord, is this the right widow? She looks like she's in a greater need than what I am. At least I'm come from the brook. This woman is preparing for a funeral. She's decided she's going to die by starvation. And Elijah is listening to this, saying, hey, is this the right widow? Elijah was learning to live outside this box. And this is what Elijah said to her. Do not fear, go and do as you, as you have said, and make me a small cake from it first, bring it to me, and afterward make some up for yourself and for your son. So he says, okay, you're going to die, but just go, make that, but bring it to me. Not to your son, not to yourself, bring it to me. That woman must have had some faith, or she must have been totally desperate. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And then is Elijah prophesying again. You know, the widow believed the words of the prophet, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household it for many days. Your obedience to the word of God will position you for God's provision. Your obedience. Simple obedience. Don't work it out. You don't even have the brain to do it. You don't have the capacity to try and work it out. It's your obedience. God says, I will bless you. you will, your barn will never run dry. The oil will never run out till the rain comes. You know, I'll tell you one more story of what happened to me in Chennai. When I knew one of the blessings I had in the Bible college, I had nothing else except God. And today I look back and I say, that's a blessing. People advise me, take a skill, do something, so in case God doesn't show up, you can fall back on some skill. I just didn't feel right. And I would feed myself with books like George Muller, uh, uh, books of uh, Smith Wigglesworth, men of faith, and I would be inspired by their stories. And I said to God, if you could do it for George Muller, and if you could do it for uh, you know, those men, you could do it for me. It's your same word. And so when it came to a point where I wanted to stay outside the, the, the college, 
I didn't know where to go. I didn't know which, I didn't have the money to stay as a paying guest. I went for a cottage meeting. They were called cottage meeting in Chennai. And the lady of the house asked me, uh, isn't it getting late for you to go back to college? I said, no, I've decided to stay outside the college, not, no longer as a, as a boarder. He says, where are you going? I said, I don't know, but something will work out. And she says, son, it's already 8.30 in the night. Where will you go? I said, I don't know. Now, I'm a bit of a reckless guy. And I said to myself, if God doesn't find me a place, I'll walk around Chennai and pray. Or I'll find something to do. And I was, I had the meeting to do. And I finished the meeting. And I saw this lady sitting at the back, quite disheartened, quite down in her spirit. And I went up to her and I said, you look very troubled. Can I do something? Can I pray for you? She says, I have my mother who's 80 years old. She's been bedridden for the last two or two years or three years. I'm not too sure of the number of years, but she was bedridden for, for an hour. Would you like to come home and pray for her? I said, sure, I'll come. Anyway, I didn't have anything else to do, no place to go. So I went and prayed for her, and I did something that I, I've not done for a long time, especially for a bedridden woman. I told her, could you hold my hand and get up from this bed, and I believe God will make you to walk. And she got down and she walked. Now, I wish that happened every day, but it didn't. When she saw that miracle, she went and told her mother, you know, there's a man of God who is here, and he's looking for a place to stay. And she took me to her house, and she says, you can come and stay in my room. I've got a spare room. Why don't you stay here? You know, I had hot meals in the afternoon. If you know what I, what I went through in Chennai, the Bible college, you know what that means. Hot meals. I had someone to polish my shoes. I'm in my own home. I had to polish my own shoes. Here someone was polishing my shoes. And I thought to myself, what an amazing way God can provide. Isn't it true? So I'm not telling you stories in the Bible to entertain you on, uh, on, in, at the end of 2019. God is real. Can you say that after me? God is real. Can you say it again? God is real. The God of Elijah is our God today. The God that speaks is the same God that speaks to you. We need to do tuning in to hear the voice of God. You know, by the way, most of my life that I've learned is to live outside this box. If I chose to live within the box of my reasoning, not even a quarter I would accomplish today. And I see the value of what God is saying to us. If we're going to see the breakthroughs that we want, if we're going to see God take us to the realm that we, will, we, would never, that we never dreamt of, the key is seeking God and hearing his voice. Let me take you to another example in the New Testament as I come to an end. And this is how Jesus taught his disciples. This is one among the many examples that Jesus gave his disciples. And we see that in John chapter 21. After the crucifixion, Peter and, J and the other disciples go fishing. They fish whole night. You probably know this message. But they caught nothing. John 21.4. But when the morning had now come, when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. How many of you identify with that? 
And sometimes Jesus can be here saying something, but we don't recognize it's Jesus. Why? Because probably it looks like a raven. Probably it didn't fit our box. They didn't recognize him. One disciple, John, recognized and told Peter. Look what happened. Yet the disciple did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered, no. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. These are professional fishermen. They've been fishing the whole night. Don't tell me they didn't cast the fish left, right, center, everywhere. Didn't catch anything. And now a voice that comes. They didn't even know, didn't even recognize the voice. Cast the net on the right side. You know when you're so desperate you listen to anybody? I mean, because you tried everything, nothing worked. Probably they must have thought, hey, okay, we'll give it a try. But when they threw their net on the other side, right side, you will find some. So they cast their net and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, which he had removed and plunged into the sea. Everyone experienced a miracle, but not everyone recognized it was Jesus. And out of those who recognized Jesus, Peter was the first one to jump out and just meet Jesus. In Romans 8, 6, it says, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reasoning, without the Holy Spirit is death. Now look at that verse. The mind of the flesh which is sense and reasoning, feelings and reasoning, without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not inspired you, leads to death. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life. And that life, the soul, the peace, is both now and forever. And so the Bible is encouraging us to live life outside the box. Did you know that your miracle is just beyond your reasoning? Just beyond your reasoning. Is lies your miracle. So how do we know when to live from this box and when to live in the box or in the realm of the supernatural? You know, God has given us a soul so that we can make decisions when it comes to earthly things. The soul is not, it is not denied. It has its purpose. When we relate with people, relate to the things of this world, we, we engage, we engage with our soul. But when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to seeking God for direction, we don't look at the soul, we look beyond the soul to the answers that God has. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, it says if you were dead with, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek it. Start seeking things which is beyond your natural reasoning. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And the second word, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. In all you are seeking God, seek God for the things which is above. One of the ways I know God's speaking is because I've thought through a problem logically. And I'm still not settled. I'm still waiting. And suddenly God drops a thought beyond my imagination, beyond my thinking. I know that's a God thought. Something I would have never thought of. And you need to wait for that moment. Instead of being obsessed with what your thoughts are, wait for that moment of God to drop something that beyond what you have thought before. So we need our mind. 
our mind is involved in making a decision to pray but the answer comes from god you want a job your mind decides go back to god engage with god but the answer comes back from god you know we need to change the way we respond in a crisis no longer responding in terms of what we know but we respond in faith in the god who knows how to deliver you from that circumstances paul had to rebuke the corinthian church because they were not spiritually minded but were carnal minded and were babes in christ in 1 corinthians 3 verse 1 it says and i brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people but as to carnal and to babes in christ so what is the apostle paul saying he says look i couldn't speak to you as spiritual you not be able to handle it it's difficult you're finding it difficult because you're carnal the word carnal means you're so governed and imprisoned by your soul you're so you're like baby christians you're so Im- caught up emotionally that you can't see beyond your emotions you can't see beyond the reasoning and the logic that's dominating your mind concerning a given matter 